Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. We are recording our usual Thursday episode on Wednesday this week in light of Thanksgiving. The good news is that the Thursday games are on the table, so maybe you'll even be able to get some betting action in with your turkey and pumpkin pie. As always, we're going to be breaking down some of our favorite and our least favorite bets for the Week 13 NFL slate. And with me to talk about it all is Steve Merrill, a professional handicapper and owner of ProSportsInfo.com. You can find him on Twitter at his name, at Steve Merrill. That's M-E-R-R-I-L. Steve, how's it going? Hey, Dan. Doing well. What's your Thanksgiving look like usually? I mean, are you just parked in front of the TV watching uh, the games all day? You got a big family thing? What's going on? You know, this is my 24th year as a full-time professional handicapper. I started ProSportsInfo.com back in 1996, so 24 football seasons now, uh, over half my life as a professional. Yeah. So unfortunately, this time of year, uh, the holidays is the busiest time of year for me. You know, my off-season is July when there's a little bit of baseball going on. And uh, yeah, this time of year with the holidays, it's uh, it's busy, but it's fun also because you get the family element, you also get the football element. And, uh, you know, it's the same with the bowl season coming up next month with college football. Um, so, yeah, the holidays and the weekends, it's kind of a reverse holiday. You know, Tuesday and Wednesday are my off days. Uh, the weekends and the holidays are busy. And Thanksgiving's great because you get that triple header of NFL action, of course. Yeah. Well, as we were talking about before we started recording, uh, this is not your first show of the day. You've been doing quite a bit of work today. So uh, let's get on to it and we can get you on so you can have, you know, five minutes to catch your breath uh, on the day. As usual... Steve and I are going to be breaking down three of our favorite bets of the week, one bet to avoid, and one prop bet that we're interested in. But before we get into it, let's do some full disclosure, revisit last week's picks. I hit on the Seahawks getting one and a half from the Eagles and the Bengals getting six and a half from the Steelers. But I missed on the Packers and the Niners over 47 and a half and on my top prop, which was Odell Beckham Jr. going over 100 yards. He fell just a bit short. Our guest Greg Smith hit on the Jets getting three from the Raiders and the Ravens giving three to the Rams. But he missed on the Dolphins getting 10.5 against the Browns and Darren Waller over 50 receiving yards. So a bit of a mixed bag for both of us. Steve, people have turkey to eat, injuries to fake so they can lie in bed and watch football. So go ahead and get us started. What's your first pick of the week? Yeah, we're going to start with uh, one of this. We're going to use all the Sunday games here. So give uh, the listeners a little extra time to get them in if they're joining us, you know, on Friday or Saturday. And uh, the first game I want to look at is actually one of the early kickoff games on Sunday, December 1st, by the way. So we're looking at games all of next month taking place, so no November mm-hmm. games here. It's hard to believe December is here. We're going to take a look at the Green Bay Packers, though. They're at the Giants, and uh, this line's been moved around this week. You know, seven's a very key number in the NFL, the second most key number after three. About 5% of the time, favorites win by exactly seven points. And this line was 7.5 initially early in the week. It's now a solid 6.5 across the board in almost all locations. And I think there's some value now with the Packers laying less than a touchdown. Uh, this is a Green Bay team that was in a terrible matchup last Sunday night against San Francisco. You know, many of the shows I did last week asked me about that game because it was a big spotlight game. And one of the things I jumped out to me was the fact that the 49ers' pass defense has been as good as anyone's in the league this year. And Green Bay does not run the ball well. They're a pass-happy offense with Aaron Rodgers. So it was a terrible matchup. It showed as they managed only eight points. But I think this is a bounce-back spot now. I always like to play Class A teams, whether it be the NBA or the NFL, off a loss. Packers still 8-3 and three on the season. The Giants 2-9. and nine. This is a focus spot. And then you add in the fact that the Giants have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, getting up over 8 yards per pass. Now, to contrast that with San Francisco, the Niners allow 4.6. The Giants allow 8.1. That's how much of a difference it is from last week to this week. I think the Packers take full advantage in a double-digit win. Yeah, everything sets up well for the Packers in this game, particularly, you know, just 
you know, it's more of a narrative at this point, you know, rather than, you know, statistical sports handicapping or anything like that. But obviously, they're pretty desperate now for the win, and they were embarrassed on uh, on national television. So this sets up as a game where they're going to come in and go hard. One thing that I'm, I'm, I want to ask you about, since you're obviously a professional handicapper, is from everything I'm looking at, you know, I don't have all the data, but it looks like the vast majority of both the number of bets and the money are coming in on the Packers and this game. But I'm not sure why the line then has gone down from seven and a half to six and a half. Is that just a factor of the fact that, you know, the look at line was seven and a half, the Packers looked so terrible coming in, you know, against the Niners that would account for the line movement or because, you know, ordinarily when you see, you know, that much money uh, in particular coming in on one side, you would expect the line to go up rather than down. Yeah, to be honest, the look-ahead 7.5 line really was, as you said, before that game kicked off on Sunday night. Um, most sports books never opened any higher than 7 after that, mm-hmm. and some that open up on Monday and Tuesday uh, have always been 6.5. So, gotcha. you know, there was briefly a 7.5 out there, but realistically the opener was probably 7, even 6.5. But you bring up a good point. Normally in the NFL, I am rarely on the side of the public, and this does look like a public pick. I think it might be a little less public, though, as you mentioned, because Green Bay looked so bad last week, and the oddsmakers probably adjusted that in. I wouldn't be surprised to see this game hit seven, though, by Sunday. I think the public will come back in and push it back to that key number. Yeah, I do like it below the key number. But, you know, look, I, I agree with the point about the public, but sometimes it's all right. I mean, the public exactly. was certainly back in the Ravens this past week against the Rams, so uh, I was fine with that. As for me, I'm actually going to take the Rams, who were embarrassed, Laying three to the Cardinals. And the Cardinals have been a tough team to bet against. They've almost been a guaranteed cover for pretty much the entire season. They're 5-1-1 and against the spread over their last seven games. They're home. They're coming off a bye. So certainly on the surface, things look good here for the Cardinals. Not as well for the Rams to cover the three-point spread. But, you know, I just mentioned how the Packers are extremely desperate. They're not quite as desperate as the Rams. Uh, I mean, look, they're 6-5 and five with the Vikings, the Packers, the Seahawks. They have almost no chance at a wild card if they don't win this game, and I think they're going to, and I think they're going to win big. The offense has looked broken. Jared Goff did not throw a touchdown pass in the month of November. They've been held to 17 points or less in three straight games, but this is kind of the matchup that the doctor ordered. The Cardinals ranked 29th in defensive DVOA. 30th in points allowed per game, 31st in yards allowed per game, 32nd in passing yards allowed per game. This just gives me that feeling where, you know, the Rams got shut down by the 49ers a few weeks back, and then they bounced back big and destroyed the Falcons 37 to 10. Their offensive line is terrible, but they have all three of their receivers back. They're going to be able to use play action. I think they're going to be able to get on back on track here and put up some points offensively. And the Cardinals, look, they'll be able to put up points too. They've been doing it a lot lately, despite two of their last three matchups being against the 49ers but you know even though you know the uh Rams were completely blown out by the Ravens they've been very solid defensively overall particularly since trading for Jalen Ramsey they're 11th in defensive DVOA and with the Cardinals offensive line struggling uh you know generally speaking I think that Kyler Murray is is probably going to be dealing with you know some pressure and he's able to escape it but at the very least I I think they'll be able to slow down the Cardinals enough to get out here with the big lead so at three I think the worst case for me I'm looking at is a push I feel pretty confident that the Rams are going to win the game so I I feel like here they're going to win by more than three but at absolute worst I take them there so I'll take the Rams laying three even though they're on the road against the Cardinals team off a bye uh, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I think the real X factor there, as you mentioned, Ed, is the, is the bye week. You know, you never know how teams respond from that bye. In general, when people ask me, how do you handicap bye weeks in the NFL, I always say I take a contrarian view, meaning that if you know a team is red hot, sometimes they regress. If a team is really struggling, they play well. Textbook example, by the way, was the Atlanta Falcons. Terrible for the start of the season. They had that bye a few weeks ago. They come out back-to-back underdog wins, including the Saints. 
Um, so we'll see if it helps the Cardinals. I think the bye came at a really good time for them. Obviously, this is a team that was on a four-game losing streak heading into the bye week. But they're not a good team still. And at some point, I expect the Rams to wake up. I thought there was value with them on Monday night. I had a plan on at plus three and a half for my clients. It obviously did not work out. Um, I thought that line was ridiculously inflated based on how good the Ravens had looked. You know, LA's probably maybe, what, a six-point favorite when the season begins against Baltimore, and then they're a three-and-a-half-point dog this week. Um, but with that said, they have underachieved. I also liked them the week before against Pittsburgh. Um, so I don't disagree with you. It's two weeks in a row I've lost with the Rams. So I'm probably not the best person to ask, you know, as far as, you know, when to play them. But that Super Bowl loser uh, situation seems to work year after year where they always regress. And L.A. is definitely having a down season so far. Um, and it'll be interesting. If they can't take advantage of Arizona this week, I'd be very careful with them going forward. Oh, absolutely. And again, I, I'm completely with you. I was certainly on the Rams early on. And look, the Rams were, you know, the sharp side, really, you know, against the, the uh, Ravens this past week. But it was just one of these things where, you know, I think if you have any remote pass rush, I think Goff is just useless, essentially, at this point. And I really don't expect the Cardinals to be able to get pressure on him. And because of that, I think that they're going to be able to put up points. So, uh, you know, I agree. If they lose this game, then, you know, forget it. You can forget them for the rest of the season. But I'm willing to roll with them one more time at a point where they're probably most desperate all year. Let's go to your second pick. What do you got here? Yeah, we're going to look at an over-under. And since we're talking about the Ravens, this is a good transition into the 49er Ravens game. You know, and I mentioned this earlier with my Packers selection. You know, it was a great matchup for San Francisco last week because they have the best pass defense in the NFL but the 49ers' run defense has been very suspect this year. Uh, they allow 4.7 yards per carry, and now they're facing the best rushing attack in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I'm not going to necessarily jump on the Ravens, though, as a side pick, because as I mentioned, the public is all over them. The line just continues to be inflated. I was even surprised to see it at 6 this week in this game. Um, San Francisco has been as good as anybody in the NFL. So basically the odds makers are saying the Ravens are three points better at least than San Francisco. Maybe it's just two points because home field could worth, be worth about four here. It is a West Coast to East Coast spot. Both teams played the Sunday and Monday night primetime games. But this will be a 10 a.m. Pacific kickoff for San Francisco. So I'd be careful with them. But I don't necessarily want Baltimore even with the inflated price. I think the best way to play this game is the over-under, and the over looks like the way to go. I mean, obviously the Ravens have been an offensive juggernaut this season, but the total is just 47 in this game, and that's because San Francisco's defensive numbers have been so good. This is really crazy, Dan, if you look at it. San Francisco averages 30 points a game. The Ravens average 35 points a game at 65. The total is 47. Now, the reason isn't because Baltimore's defense is great. They allow 18.5 a game, but I think they're a mediocre defense. In fact, they give up 5.8 yards per play, against teams that average is 5.6. So theoretically, they're a below-average defense on a yards-per-play basis. The reason this total is only 47 is because the 49ers' defense gives up less than 15 points a game, and they have been fantastic this year, 4.6 yards per play against teams that average 5.6, but they haven't faced an offense like this. You know, the Patriots' offense or defense have been fantastic all season also until a few weeks ago when they gave up 37 and I just don't see them slowing down Baltimore, especially with the below-average run defense. I think there's value with over 47. You know, it seems like a public pick being a Ravens over, just like the Packers are public. But once again, I'm not afraid to be on the public side here. I actually think that total is way too low. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I, I was a little surprised. on. Look, the Ravens, they're going to be able to score against anyone right now. I get that they're probably playing at the height of what they're able to do, but I think I read a stat that said they have not punted uh, in a drive led by Lamar Jackson in three games or something like that. I mean, he is just really his speed and, and, you know, just the offense that they're running over there. 
it's really, really difficult to slow down, even with the defense uh, as good as the 49ers have been. And of course, you know, the strength of the Ravens in what they're trying to do is run the ball effectively. And to the extent there is a spot to attack the 49ers defense, it is more on the run, specifically since, you know, um, Quan Alexander went out. And yeah, you know, the Ravens defense, I mean, I think I like them a little bit more probably than than as you've described, just because I think a lot of their season long statistics were influenced early on when they were dealing with a lot more injuries. Uh, You know, Brandon Williams really hurt their ability to stop the run and everything like that. They were banged up in the secondary. I do think that they're playing better lately, but I agree. I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan is perhaps the most creative offensive coach in the game, so he is going to be able to uh, devise certain things. So I'm in complete agreement with you. When I saw it, you know, it, it struck me as though I, that's what I try to look at when I look at the lines. I just take my gut reaction before I really dive into it. And my gut reaction was certainly that it was low. So, you know, we do uh, picks on bettingpros.com, you know, I don't know, 150, uh, you know, quote unquote experts make picks. And I've already locked in the over on that one. So I'm in total agreement with you. I'm going to go uh, also with an over here. And, I, you know, Steve, I think you're going to disagree with this one, but we'll, we'll talk about it for a second. And I, I do want to make it clear. When I picked it, it was at 46. It has moved to 47. It's been trending up. Um, so I locked it in when it was 46, and I feel better about that. I'll still take it at 47 because what the heck. And I will go on a Thanksgiving game, even though some people, when you're listening to this, it may be late. But, you know, we never get to do Thursday games on the show because we usually record on Thursday. So I'm going to do it, and I'm going to take the Bills and the Cowboys over 47. Again, as often happens, it was 46 when I sort of looked at it and, and decided to make the pick. But I'll stick with it at 47. The Cowboys rank sixth in the NFL in scoring at nearly 27 points per game. They're even better at home, averaging more than 30 points per game. They're second in offensive DVOA. That's obviously including this past weekend where they did absolutely nothing against the Patriots. It's kind of like the Rams. I expect this to be a little bit of a bounce back effort for Dallas and particularly offensively. And the Bills have a great defense. They're ranked third in the NFL, but certainly some of that has been their schedule, which has been one of, if not the single easiest schedule in the NFL. And you've seen, you know, they've got a great defense, but they're much better pass defense. They're a bit vulnerable against the run. And even though Ezekiel Elliott has not torn it up of late, he's likely going to get going in this game. And I think they're going to be able to move the ball through the air too, given the play action. They've given up the fewest sacks in the NFL, even with Amari Cooper matched up against Tredavious, right? Cooper is coming off a game where he was shut out. You know, he's going to get at least a little bit more there. And Michael Gallup is playing well as well. And they're even getting Randall Cobb involved. So the Cowboys know this game. They obviously play on Thanksgiving every year, the quick turnaround. I think they'll be ready to go. But I also expect Buffalo to be able to score two. They're featuring Devin Singletary a bit more. They just gashed a very strong Denver run defense on the ground. Josh Allen is really able to extend plays. But in particular, you know, even though you've got, you know, two teams that are going to run the ball a lot. So that's usually good for the under because it takes up, you know, longer drives, takes up clock. But the Cowboys generally are pretty, they play pretty fast. And really, when I was looking at the Bills last week, they really played up tempo. They went no huddle a ton. I mean, it was something like, you know, 40% of the time close to that. They ran 73 plays last week. I think that's what they're going to try to come out and do. Their offense looked better against a tough defense. So I expect them to also try to play fast, which again, to me, strikes me as something that's going to lean towards the over. So, you know, in the end, the total is trending up here. As I mentioned it, I looked at it. It was 45 and a half at one point. I got it when it was 46. It's now at 47 on our consensus odds. So I could see the under. I think the under looked, quote unquote, like the sharp play, given all the reasons I discussed. But I'm going to go over here with uh, 47 for the Bills and the Cowboys. Yeah, actually, I think the sharp money agrees with you. This was as low as 45 even in some spots when it opened. Um, And it is up to 46 and 47, as you mentioned, the last couple of days. Um, the public isn't playing this yet. I think 
the, the professionals, you know, probably expect these overs to be bumped up because obviously the public likes overs. And on Thursday, these are right. very public bet games, the three Thanksgiving games. So they maybe are trying to get in early. There might be a little bit of a buyback. You know, if it hits 47 and a half, they might come back on the under, try to middle it. And this line might drop back down by kickoff to 47, 46 and a half. But I think you have to be careful overreacting to Buffalo's defensive numbers. They might allow just 16 points a game. Um, but they haven't faced many offenses like Dallas. Uh, this is a good Cowboy offense. They can both run and throw the ball. They average eight and a half yards a pass, 27 points a game. They're averaging over 30 points per game at home this season. So I think it could be a high-scoring game, actually. It wouldn't shock me. And, yeah, both teams run the ball. But as you said, they do it efficiently. They do it kind of up-tempo. I love the um, the up-tempo analogy. It's something I use a tremendous amount in college and pro basketball and handicapping totals. We don't talk about it as much in football, but in the modern, you know, spread offenses, it is a legitimate handicapping factor. And uh, once again, this is kind of like that San Francisco-Baltimore total, you know, that I use the over. You've got one really good defensive team like San Francisco-Buffalo, a really good offensive team in Dallas or Baltimore. And because of that, the odds makers kind of have to put the total in the middle there. Right. One of those teams is going to dictate their preferred style of play. I think it'll be Baltimore at home, and you know I th- you're betting it'll probably be Dallas at home. And in general, the home team does dictate the way they want the game to go. Yeah, my one worry on it would be that the Cowboys jump out to a real big lead, and sure. then you know I don't think the Bills are capable of putting up points. Which I look, it's a it's a certainly something that's that's a factor. But in the end, I I really do expect as much as I I don't you know have quite as much faith in the Bills defense. I like their offense, and I really do considering they're bringing in. Devin Singletary, I, I, you know, John Brown's always been one of my favorite players. It's great to watch him succeed right now. And Josh Allen is able to, when you get pressure on him because of his legs, is able to extend drive. So I think they're going to play fast. I think there's going to be a lot of points. So I'll take the over. Let's move on to your third pick here. What do you got? Yeah, we're going to talk about a more of an ugly team here for the third pick. Go back to a side selection. And this is one of the late kickoffs at 425 Eastern on Sunday afternoon. Going to look at the Oakland Raiders. And uh, this is another game in which uh, the lines moved a bit from what the look ahead number was. Um, I saw it as low as 8.5 in some spots, uh, but now as of Wednesday afternoon, we're looking at a solid plus 10 across the board. 10, another very key number. About 4 to 5% of the time, just like 7, it's going to land on 10. So I do think at 10 or more here, we're starting to get some value with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, this is a rematch from earlier this season. I always like to take good-sized, big divisional dogs in rematches, uh, especially if they've lost. They're coming off a terrible showing last week against the Jets. By the way, I had a best bet on the New York Jets um, as the home dog against the Raiders for my clients. So that game did not surprise me. Now, the 34-3 win did surprise me. That was a pleasant surprise. Um, but I still think because of that, this line's a bit inflated now. Also, Kansas City started to get a little healthier, but they've alternated wins or losses going all the way back to early October. And this is still a team that's just 3-4 and four straight up their last seven games, both against the spread and outright. Uh, so they have not been crushing it like they did last year. I just think this is an inflated line here. Um, you look at the Oakland Raiders, they're capable of moving the ball. You know, they put up 24 points straight against Chicago, Green Bay, and Houston. Then they put up 31 and 26 against Detroit and the Chargers. And then the last two weeks, only 17 and 3 all of a sudden. I think this is a little bit of an overreaction by the betting market. And I think Oakland is more likely to return to that 20, 25 point average this week against a mediocre Kansas City defense. Yeah, I'm not sure that I would pick it, but I don't disagree. Uh, with the side that you're on. I, really what I look at here, and I agreed with the Jets uh, against the Raiders. Look, w- the Raiders need to be able to run the ball with Jacobs in order to to really establish their identity and put up points. They have lost Hunter Renfro, of course. But look, we've seen it in the past before Mahomes' injury. You know, when you were able to slow down the Chiefs' offense, how did they do it? You know, that game against the Colts, I think maybe the game against the Texans. 
they ran the ball. They controlled the game. They kept Mahomes off the field. And Mahomes is not, you know, looking quite as good as he did before the injury for obvious reasons. But, you know, this game, unlike the Jets game, because the Jets were able to stop the run, they stopped really what the Raiders did best. I feel like in this game, the Chiefs cannot stop the run. And that is where the Raiders are going to be able to not only move the ball, but keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible and be able to keep the game close. So look, betting against Patrick Mahomes is something that, you know, I've struggled to do, uh, you know, at least in his prime, because it was too scary, frankly, when I was involved in it. But overall, so I don't think I'm going to get in on it. But I do agree that if I were to pick a side, it would be the Raiders getting 10 for basically all the reasons you described. So I do like the pick. Well, one thing I'll point out too, you know, you mentioned the importance of the Raiders running the ball, and I forgot to mention Kansas City's run defense, giving up 5.1 yards per carry this year. Um, it's one of the weaker yards per carry defenses in the NFL. Um, so I do think Oakland will have some success on the ground. Yeah, 100%. And really, when you're able to do that, that's kind of how you keep the game close. If any. And again, 10 is a huge number. You know, anytime you get to double digits, you got to look closely at the team getting the points. And it's a key number, as you mentioned. So certainly, at the very least, a backdoor cover is, is always in play. I'll go to my final pick, and it's going to go back to an over-under, and that's the Jets and the Bengals over 41.5. I think you're going to probably see this line maybe creep up to 42, 42.5 with Andy Dalton back in, and I think there's a good reason for it. Look, the Jets' offense right now is clicking. It's been soft matchups, but they've scored exactly 34 points in each of their last three games. That's against the Giants, Redskins, and Raiders. Soft matchups, but they've got another one here against the Bengals. In addition, the simple fact that Sam Darnold is growing as a quarterback, there's just some talented playmakers, and it's really that none of those teams get pressure consistently on the quarterback. That's the key for Darnold, who stands behind a terrible offensive line, and so long as he isn't consistently dealing with defenders in his face, he can make plays and put up points, and the Bengals have 16 sacks on the season. That's second worst in the NFL. They're ahead of only the Dolphins. They're third worst in defensive DVOA. There's absolutely no reason why the Jets should struggle to put up points here. And look, the Jets are solid up front defensively. They have Jamal Adams, one of the best safeties in the game since they've switched at cornerback. Um, They've been playing better. Brian Poole has had actually a nice season out of the slot. And they're fifth in defensive DVOA. Um, But the Bengals are at least borderline competent offensively so long as Andy Dalton is under center. He knows how to utilize Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon has been getting plenty of work lately, which he really wasn't getting early on. Cordy Glenn came back, which helps their offensive line. I haven't seen anything on the practice reports with A.J. Green, but you know, you got to get this feeling like Green was, I'm not coming back with Ryan Finley, but all right, you throw Dalton back there, maybe he'll try to play. Even if he doesn't, though, I think that the Bengals are going to be able to put up at least some points right now. I don't think the Jets' defense is quite as good as it has looked lately. Not a crazy amount of points, but certainly some points. And with the Jets being able to put up points, I feel comfortable here that they're going to shoot over 41.5, which again is a fairly low over-under. Yeah, it's a very low. I was going to say it's a very low over-under for the modern NFL. On 41, by the way, a very key number with totals. And I do see several spots out there that still have 41. So I think you can legitimately say you could play over 41 in this game. About 3 to 4% of the time, it's going to land on 41 points. You know, 24-17, 31-10, 21-20. There's a lot of combinations that get you there. So definitely shop around. Get that over 41 in this one. If you're looking at the over, I do think 41 and a half, 42 by Sunday would be what the number is. So I'd play it sooner than later. And, yeah, I kind of wait for the Bengals to have a breakout game. You know, they've been so terrible this year. Everyone thought the Dolphins were the worst team in the modern NFL history, and they've already won two games. You know, the Redskins looked like they were the worst team. They won their second game last week. The Jets were actually in the playoff uh, list now. If you look at teams in the hunt, the Jets are actually listed now, uh, despite being just 4-7. and seven, But they are a better team healthy. 
And um, that's one of the reasons I liked the Jets last week as a best bet for my clients against Oakland was I do feel like they're flying a bit under the radar now that Darnold is healthy and able to play at his level. 34 points, three straight games. You mentioned the three weak opponents they've played. This is the weakest yet, so I see no reason why it wouldn't continue. Um, And I think the key here is if Cincinnati can get the points. We know they allow points. They give up 32 a game at home. The problem is they only average 16 at home, only 14.5 overall. Uh, But I'm not sold on this Jets defense. Uh, They give up over 26.5 away. Uh, yeah, it's a low total. 41, you almost automatically have to look at the over, and I think you brought up some very good reasons to do so. Yeah, and I'm a Jets fan, full disclosure. I'm from Queens, so I, I grew up, uh, unfortunately, uh, rooting for them and still do. And yeah, I agree. Look, they've been playing very well, but I, I'm still not trusting the defense at this point. And again, look, the Bengals are terrible. They are a terrible football team. They've got probably two games left that they can win. They don't want to go 0-16. They do have a game against Miami. So, you know, we'll, I'll put that out there. They can definitely win that game. But they're, they've got to be going for it at this point because otherwise there's really no reason to turn back to Andy Dalton um, because he's not the quarterback of the future. I'm sure they're going to be drafting a quarterback uh, this year. So I think they want this win. I think they're going to do whatever they can to get it, which I think means putting up points. All right, let's recap here. Uh, Steve, you've got the Packers laying 6.5 to the Giants, the 49ers and Ravens over 47, and the Raiders getting 10 from the Chiefs. I'll take the Rams laying 3 to the Cardinals, the Bills and Cowboys over 47 now. And the Jets and the Bengals over 41 and a half, I believe. Although, yeah, 41 and a half. I'm sorry. All right. Before we move on, let's talk about BetMGM and the BetMGM Sports app because you're about to win some free money. Go onto your app store, search for BetMGM Sports, and download the app onto your phone. Sign up for an account. Use our promo code Harris. That's my last name, Harris. You'll basically have your choice of free money one of three different ways with your first bet. If you want to do it on Thanksgiving, that's great. Place a $1 money line bet on any Thanksgiving game, anyone. And if any team, not the team in your game, any team on Thanksgiving scores a touchdown, you win $200 in free bets. You want to wait until the Sunday games? That's great. Place a $1 money line bet on any Sunday game and win 250 in free bets if any team on Sunday scores a touchdown. Are you a procrastinator? You want to wait until Monday? I don't condone that, but BetMGM does not care. Place your first bet of $1 on the money line on Monday and win $100 in free bets if Russell Wilson completes even a single pass against the Vikings. There is no plausible scenario where any of these bets lose none. It is pure folly. And if you sign up for account at BetMGM, you are going to see that they offer crazy boosted bets like this all the time. They've got a ton of amazing other benefits as well, like being able to track your bet in real time or taking an early cash out to lock in winnings or cut losses. So again, just download the BetMGM Sports app, sign up for an account, use our promo code Harris to get some essentially free money either on Thanksgiving or this weekend. These winnings are paid in free bets and you must be 21 years or older. And although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Steve, let's move on to It's a Trap, where we list the line we are avoiding this weekend. What do you have? Yeah, you know, we talked about this game. I used the over, but I'm going to use the side. I kind of referenced this earlier that I, you know, it was a tough one. And that's the Ravens 49ers side here. I can make an argument for both teams. I can also tell you why you probably want to stay away from both teams. First of all, as I referenced earlier, I was surprised to see the line six. I mean, San Francisco has been as good as anybody in the NFL. They just blew out a good Packers team on Sunday night primetime football. Normally, you lose line value because of that. But then the Ravens did them one better, and they blew out the Rams on Monday night, which is more recent and in everybody's memory. 
The betting public saw what they did to the the Patriots a few weeks ago. So now you've got the Ravens at minus six. It's like Ohio State in college football. You're not going to get any value with Baltimore going forward until they lose at some point. By the way, Ohio State's failed to cover each of the last two weeks despite winning still. However, that doesn't mean you jump in on the 49ers either. This is a team that's coming off that huge win. Now have to travel cross-country and have the disadvantage of playing a 1 o'clock Eastern, which is a 10 a.m. Pacific kickoff on their body clocks. And also, as I referenced, one of the reasons I like the over and I'm staying away from the side is because the 49ers' defense has been great this year, but that's against the pass. They're actually a below-average rush defense statistically, 4.7 yards per rush allowed, and now they're facing a mobile quarterback like they have not seen all season. I'd be very careful with this side. Um, I think it's a bad matchup for San Francisco, but I think there's no value right now with Baltimore in the near future. So usually what we do, if you've listened to the show, uh, is I have our guests send me their picks in advance so I could just make sure I don't pick the same game. And, you know, it's Thanksgiving's coming up. Steve and I weren't able to connect that closely about this. So that was going to be my line to avoid as well. Yeah, Use no, it. it's great. <laughs> minds think alike. You want to do it? All right, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll throw it out very quickly for you, too. But I could not agree with you more. This is just not a line. I'm going anywhere near. I'm shocked it's six, by the way. I mean, as much as I, I six just strikes me as crazy inflated, but I, I can't bring myself to bet against Lamar Jackson at this point. But it's certainly something uh, that's crazy. But I, I like that you took it. Uh, it, it was going to be mine too. I, the, I'll, I'll pivot a little bit. And the game that I'm avoiding, because again, I've looked at this game and I, I you know, originally I wanted to take it, but I couldn't get there. And that's the Patriots laying three to the Texans in Houston. Look, this game, when you look at the Patriots, they're just their defense is great, but their offense, it, it's really not working right now. I, I understand that the game against Dallas was in the terrible weather, but it's really not going anywhere. Brady is not playing particularly well. They struggle to run the ball as they have all season long since James Devlin went out. They're really just not able to put up a ton of points. I don't, you know, Brady was on the injury report with an elbow injury. That's, you know, he's he used to always be on the injury report, but I hadn't heard of that before. So he may be a little banged up. He's been getting hit quite a bit, you know, and the Texans right now, you know, look, they're off the mini buy. Will Fuller is healthy. You know, they're playing overall. They came off the big win pretty well. If there's one thing that the Patriots defense kind of struggles with a little bit, it's mobile quarterbacks. You saw it against Lamar Jackson, although that's not really something that you can hold against any defense, frankly. But the because they play so much man, you know, their cornerbacks have their backs turned to it. So the mobile quarterbacks like Watson are able to get out. But in the end, the coaching difference in the two teams. I mean, Bill O'Brien is just not somebody that I can feel comfortable backing, particularly against Bill Belichick. So at this game on Sunday night football, the crowd's going to be crazy. It's just something where I kind of feel like if I'm forced to pick a side, I see the value in the Texans personally, but it's not something where I'm going to be willing to go ahead and bet against Bill Belichick. So I'm avoiding the Patriots laying three of the Texans. I wonder your thoughts on that line. Yeah, it's going to be critical where this line settles because as of Wednesday right now, uh, there's a lot of threes minus 120, but I see several spots also that have minus three and a half even mm-hmm. on the Patriots. And as we talked about earlier in the show, you know, NFL favorites win about nine to 10% of the time by exactly three points. So big difference. You know, if you like, uh, if you like New England, you want to play three minus 120. If you like Houston, you play plus three and a half even. It is worth the 20 cent gap. In fact, it's worth about 25 to 30 cents historically. It's the one time it's worth paying a little extra. 
And if you notice, most sports books know this, and they make you charge. They charge you at least, I think, 30 cents because buying points in general is a sucker play. You don't normally want to do that. You don't want to move the line a half a point and lay minus 120 instead of minus 110. But in this situation, you are better off laying a little extra if it's only a 20-cent gap. So, yeah, we'll see where this line settles. And I think that reason alone, you know, Dan, is a reason to stay away from this game at least right now until Sunday night. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, again, look, I, I mentioned it um most times we record, but again, we're using the consensus odds, okay? And that's probably, I believe, eight sports books that we've got going on. But if you look at it, the consensus odds are, are minus three um, and uh, laying 105 right here. But if you look at the different sports books, there's a handful of three and a halfs. So it really depends on where you're able to get in. But yeah, it's just not a line I feel comfortable with. If it's three and a half, I'll bite the bullet and take the Texans. But at three, it's not something that I want to go. Okay, you and I are both uh, avoiding the Ravens laying six to the 49ers, and I'm going to avoid the Patriots laying three to the Texans. So before we get to our final segment, I want to remind everyone about our giveaway. It's a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns helmet. The contest is running through November 30th, so you have a couple more days to get in. You can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details. But to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. Now, the Beckham helmet and all of our signed helmets come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia, with thousands of auctions every day. And when you go there, use our promo code BETTINGPROS and win a free $5 voucher instantly. So just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. All right, Steve, we also did not get a chance to talk about our top prop. So legitimately, if you take mine, I'm just going to jump on it with you. So go ahead and, and what do you got here? Yeah, well, there's a couple I'm looking at. It's By the way, you know, Wednesday, of course, it's very hard to find the numbers for these Sunday games. Correct. All the uh, Thursday props are out now, but really haven't seen any of the major books with the uh, numbers up for Sunday. So I'm going to be general, and you can kind of throw in the exact number when you see it as a consensus. Um, the one I'm going to stay away from, by the way, is, you know, obviously uh, Lamar Jackson rushing yards over is very tempting for me because San Francisco's run defense has been below average, as I've, as I've referenced several times, and also the fact they haven't seen a quarterback like that. But I'm staying away from Baltimore in general because they're so public right now. I like to normally look for unders with props because if a player gets injured, I'm not wishing an injury, but if a player gets injured, you know, obviously that helps the under, and that's something that just could be an additional bonus for you. Plus, the public normally plays the over. With that said, though, I'm going to use an over, and I like Aaron Rodgers' total passing yards over the total. Um, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the side selection I used at the top of the show. Um, I think Green Bay is flying a little bit under the radar right now after that terrible performance on Sunday night offensively when they only put up eight points. And overall, as a team, they only threw the ball for 81 passing yards. But as I've said several times, San Francisco's pass defense has been the best in the NFL this year. It was a bad matchup for the Packers. They are now taking on which maybe is the worst pass defense, at least in the NFC, maybe the whole NFL. Giants give up 68% completions. They give up 8.1 yards per pass. And just look at the yardage they've given up recently. And what's incredible about this, they've lost seven straight games. You know, normally teams run the ball when they have the lead, and the Giants, you think, wouldn't be thrown on as much. 270, 218, 257, 316 the last four weeks. They did hold Arizona at 89, still lost the game. But the two weeks before that, New England and Minnesota, 313 and 279 allowed. And now they're taking on as good of any quarterback in the league in Aaron Rodgers. So I'd like the Aaron Rodgers props over. I'll specifically say over total passing yards. Yeah, 
that's going to be a win. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, this is I you look I I feel about this game the exact same way you do, which is I think the Packers are just going to come out and get, you know, just firing on all cylinders in this game. I think they were really embarrassed last game Rodgers in particular. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. You did bring up a good point um with the props which because look, if you've been listening to it almost always I'm taking it over and it's always a kind of a garden variety line that is because when we record, you know, prop bets generally don't drop till closer to game time. And it's funny because the vast majority of the props I'm actually able to play once they come out on Saturday or even Sunday morning are unders because that's generally when I project um, players, which, you know, I also do fantasy. So I'm projecting players. I'm able to really go there. So with these, you're right. It's a little more difficult because you've always got to go over. And again, we, I use points bet because that's really the only one of the few that has it out there. So for me, I'm going to take DJ Chark over a hundred yards receiving against the Bucks. That's at plus 160 right now. Chark and pretty much all the Jaguars receivers had a terrible day against the Titans, but he'd seen at least nine targets in each of his three previous games. I expect him to reach that number again in a game where the Jaguars are certainly going to need points. I mean, the Bucks hit the over on pretty much every one of their games. The Bucks have an incredibly strong run defense, as most betters know at this point, but an abysmal pass defense. D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley, they're both going to factor in, but in the end, I think realistically, it's going to be Chark. He's going to have by far dominate the targets. I think he's going to have a ton of receiving yards. Um, So at plus 160, I think the odds are good enough for me. All right, that is going to do it for today's show. Thanks for joining me, Steve. Remind everyone where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, the website, prosportsinfo.com. And then on Twitter, as you mentioned earlier, Steve Maryland. It's two R's, one L. Just one L. It's unusual, but it allowed me to get my Twitter handle many years after Twitter had started, so I wasn't (laughs) complaining. At Steve Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L on Twitter. Website again, prosportsinfo.com. And anybody that hears the podcast and emails me directly, I'll be glad to send them one of my personal best bets for this weekend. Steve at prosportsinfo.com. Just mention the show for a free best bet with analysis. Steve at prosportsinfo.com. Well, that's great. And, you know, I, I have a lot of envy right now because, you know, Dan Harris, I came in a little late there and I have not been able to get my name. I'm going to find the real Dan Harris, though, and I'm going to certainly steal whatever he's got going on. But thanks again for joining us. I want to remind everyone about BetMGM, where you can download uh, their BetMGM sports app and sign up using our promo code Harris and basically win free money on any number of bets, either on Thanksgiving, on Sunday, or even on Monday. And don't forget to leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com to be entered into our Odell Beckham Jr. signed helmet giveaway. Good luck with your wagers this weekend and on Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll be back breaking down the early lines for week 14 on Monday.